0: Welcome to episode 13 of the Into the River podcast, and this is a unique experience because it is a swapcast, my first ever, with the Unpopular Blonde podcast with my friend Alice, so I'm going to let her introduce her podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, everybody. I'm Alice, and I'm the host of the Unpopular Blonde podcast. I like to say that it is a podcast about all the things that have made my circle smaller, And it's also to give a platform to people to share their story who may not otherwise. So I'm super excited to be doing the Swapcast with Ashley today. And I'm excited to talk about all the things.
0: I am too. This is so much fun. So we met, what is it, like a week ago on Steak for Breakfast podcast for the first time. And we were both co-hosts with their incredible podcast. If you haven't listened to it, please check it out. But that's where we first met, and here we are.
1: Yeah, and I feel like we kind of had uh, a connection and found ourselves before, but also after, kind of discussing different different topics and getting getting to know each other a little better. So I, I think the swap cast is a is a really cool way for us both to share with our audiences and get some different perspectives.
0: I agree. And you and I are coming from it in a little bit of a different situation because I'm in the United States and you're in Canada. So, you know, can you just kind of go into what it's been like over the last year and a half for Canadians? Because I've been watching closely and I know that your guys' experience is so much worse, you know.
1: Yeah, well, it's. I feel like it's a very interesting uh, dynamic because we both probably live in the most locked-down areas of our respective countries. I would say, yeah. and so basically in Canada, it's it's been a weird fifteen months. I mean, it has for everyone, but we are still uh, completely locked down here. Um, they're going to be marginally opening up some things on Friday. Um, but as of right now, we um our restaurants are closed. Our quote unquote non-essential retail is all closed. Um, schools, sports, gyms, literally everything is is locked down. And even in the big box stores, they, I guess tried to make it more fair, which is it's not fair. but, They cordoned off all of the aisles where non-essential items are sold. So if you go to a big box store, you can't buy like TVs, uh, clothes, anything like that. But it's gotten to the point where you can't even buy things for your kitchen, which like, I don't know, cooking seems essential to me. (laughs) Yeah. but Who
0: decides like what is essential and what's not?
1: (laughs) Um. I mean, the provincial government, I guess. But That's it's insane. it's so tyrannical here that I don't even know anymore. I think they kind of just go off of, like, their internal polling to make their decisions.
0: <laughs> That's crazy to me because, like, I just envision a store. Like, I imagine, like, certain things are closed off. Like, COVID doesn't go over there. Is there – you know what I'm saying? It's just, like, none of this has any logical – It makes any sense to me whatsoever that's really frustrating and i can't believe that your restaurants are still closed because even in california ours have been like partially open or outdoor open so everything's just shut down
1: yeah like everything is completely shut down and has been for months um i actually read something the other day that toronto is the largest or the the longest lockdown in all of the world because they were just about to come out of lockdown um, when the entire province went into a lockdown. So it used to be by kind of like county. It was like the different public health health units. But I don't know. It's just crazy. So apparently on Friday, they are going to allow uh, outdoor dining, non-essential retail at like 15% capacity, oh and then God. like some other things like outdoor gatherings of like 10 people, but you still can't like see anyone outside your house. I think it's so weird.
0: (laughs) That's crazy. It sounds like where California was like maybe five, six months ago, we were just starting to get to the point. Oh, we were there too. Oh really?
1: Oh yeah. We've been in lockdown for so long, but yeah, I do want to hear what it's like in California too, because I, I feel like that was kind of where everyone looked and we're like, oh my God, look at how locked down they are. But even now, you guys are kind of seem to be opening.
0: I think. Um, yeah, we we are. I'm lucky because I'm in Central California, and it's a very like, it's a very red area, and it's a lot more relaxed. And so we've been locked down, but some of the restaurant owners are just breaking the rules. And I can go in. I've been shopping without a mask in my stores for this entire time. So that's not so bad, but I've talked to friends who are in LA or Northern California and they're like, I don't even know how you could like, they can't even walk into a gas station without a mask on. It's just strictly not allowed. And I do have a friend that gets yelled at all the time when she tries to go grocery shopping. And so California has been pretty intense. We're supposed to, again, like he's going to lift some of the restrictions on the 15th, but he's not Gavin Newsom is not going to remove the emergency order that allows him to be or the state of emergency that basically allows him to, you know, overuse his power, which is crazy because I don't know if you were aware, but he's been recalled, which is incredible that we were successful at this. So he's literally on his way out the door, kicking and screaming, blaming QAnon supporters and President Trump and far right I mean, you know what I mean? All of the terms he's just throwing oh, yeah. out there. And like, he's just like all yeah. oh, these crazy people are trying to get rid of me and I'm like, dude, no one is coming to your side except for a couple like millionaires and billionaires, but like I don't know. I'm just yeah. at the point where like when they want to open something up, I'm just like nobody's even excited anymore. Everyone's just kind of like this is the way it is, you know?
1: Yeah, because the goalposts are constantly shifting and who knows when they're going to put you back in prison, right?
0: Exactly. I actually did have a question for you because I've seen a lot of, uh, not a lot, but quite a few arrests in Canada. Have you heard about or seen any like unlawful arrests for opening businesses or anything?
1: Um, I haven't personally seen any. I know there are videos and I've seen the videos of pastors who've been arrested for um, continuing to open their church and pastor their people, which is a commitment that they made to God. Um, There was one specifically, his name is Archer Poloski, and he, I believe, is in Alberta. They did the most dramatic highway takedown of him. Like, Didn't come to like outside his church or outside his house, they literally had a bunch of cops pull him over on the highway and like arrested him on the highway for theater.
0: (laughs) For theater, exactly. It's like they're trying to instill fear in everyone else is what it feels like.
1: Exactly. And apart from that, I mean, I know there's another pastor who was arrested. A lot of businesses that are um, going against the lockdowns they are being fined, but as far as I know, I don't think a lot of them have been arrested. Um, but what you were saying about Gavin Newsom just sparked something else to me as well. In Canada, Ontario specifically, which is the province that I live in, they, Parliament just extended um, our Premier's power. So Doug Ford is our Premier. And they basically gave him the power to extend emergency orders as far as December of 2021 uh, without parliamentary de- uh, debate or vote. So I don't know anyone that thinks that this is going to be over for us soon. I feel like has their head in the sand.
0: What is Trudeau like for you? Cause like, we, we don't like him here, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trudeau, I would say is the. Uh, example of what happens when you get a bunch of young people who don't really know anything about politics or the real world um, voting for someone purely because they like his hair or think that he's attractive, which I've never understood. But um, he's he's just a puppet, and he doesn't he doesn't know anything.
0: Yeah. It's been really hard watching him. He reminds me of my governor. Like I've made jokes before, like they're probably best friends. They probably call each other like (laughs) late at night, like, Hey girl, like how many people? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Did
1: you see what they're (laughs) saying about me online?
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's been crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's just been, it's been really interesting watching the rest of the world and how they're handling all of this. I know that I've had a really strong heart for Australia. I don't know how closely you've been watching Australia, but I mean, they have been through the ringer with the most insane lockdowns and their numbers are not even high at all. And they have some of the worst in the world. And it's just terrifying. Has Canada done anything like talk about passports, like vaccine passports or anything?
1: Uh, yeah, they, when, here we go, bring it back to Justin Trudeau, he basically was like, oh, well, this is, vaccine passports are to be expected, and I don't know, I'm hoping we'll follow suit from a lot of other countries who are dropping that, because it's, I don't know, it's going to create a second, like, a two-tiered society, and I don't know, try and stop me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to ask: is how are Canadians in general? Because I know that you're a free thinker, but is that common or is it not?
1: Um, well, I've been I've been awake for about five years now. Um, I was really liberal beforehand, and it's been quite quite the journey. I've lost a lot of friends and family, even hence the name of my podcast. But um I think I'm at a place now where I have a lot of people around me who think similarly which is really really nice but I don't know Canadians in general were we're kind of spineless um, where we've always been looked at as like America's like nicer kind of neighbor and I think that's enabled people to not stand up because they're just too polite to cause, cause a scene.
0: Yeah. No, that's what I've kind of heard, but it's coming from a Canadian. It was helpful. I feel like America this year, I had a different perspective of my own country because I always thought that we were just this tough, you know, land of the free home of the brave. Like, but yeah, I saw the, um, Just the way that people want to be so compliant, and they—I will say that's not just a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing that people genuinely don't want to ruffle feathers, and they're very considerate. Like they're trying to tell us we have a race war, and they're pushing this, these like civil war mentalities on us right now. And I'm like, this is not my country. My country is full of people that are so kind that they will muzzle themselves and take a vaccine they're not sure of, simply for the good of another person so in a way it's good that we are very nice not what the news portrays but on the other hand it's not good because I'm like we are kind of spineless to be honest like I've been watching all of these protests around the world with like a million people and I'm like where is America like even Canada you guys are having big protests and we're not so I don't know like if we're (laughs) you know what I mean? Like as tough as I'd like to believe, I think that we're seeing an emergence of, of tough people who are finding their voice, who are learning the laws, who are learning how to stand up, speak out, fight back, not violently, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that this year really shook us awake and true Patriots, true people who are concerned about the future are definitely finally making some, taking some action, you know?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a time where people are really making the decision on whether or not they're going to stand up and fight for what they believe in or if they're just going to stay silent. And I I hope that people choose to fight. Have you been outside California since this all started? I'm curious what the rest of America kind of looks like.
0: Uh, I went to D.C., on the 6th. Oh,
1: oh, how was, (laughs) oh my gosh, how was that? Tell me everything.
0: (laughs) So that, okay, oh, I went to places. I went to Utah for a road trip, which was amazing, very free, but I went to DC on the 6th, and it was honestly the most loving, inclusive, beautiful, free experience, and then when we got back to the Airbnb, we saw the news, and it was like another world from what I was just at, and I literally was, you know, almost as close as you can get without going in. That wasn't even an option to go inside people weren't flooding inside it. We were all just hanging out outside and it was honestly coming out of everything with our election and how hard that was. And then living in a community where you have to wear a mask. Like I quit my job over the mask thing and wow. we're in this. So being around like-minded people, who were not wearing masks, who were smiling and laughing and hugging was, it felt like coming home to reasonable, yeah. like family, you know, it was such a joyful yeah. celebration. And yeah, we get home and we, my mom or to the Airbnb. My mom's looking at the the news and she starts crying because she sees Ashley Babbitt getting shot. And I personally, I don't know if this is a popular belief, but I was like, that's not real. And she was like, what? And I, I have my thoughts on it. I, maybe a woman was killed, maybe not. But I've watched so many videos into that situation. And when you break it down, I, there was so many things that weren't right about it. It felt very staged. It felt very rushed. There was no investigation. They won't release the cop's name. They immediately went back to a vote, which don't you think if there was a murder at the Capitol, they would have like halted for an investigation? There was no stretcher. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, there was no stretcher coming in to get her. They just basically drug her body down to like out of the building. No one wants to talk about it. And then, um, what was it? The uh, right when she got quote unquote shot, they moved her body and positioned her in a different place to where her flag or her Trump thing was showing. And there was so many things I'm like, you don't do this. And no one around, if you watch the video, was scared of getting shot. Literally no one ran. No one seemed afraid. It was so set up. And a lot of the people in that area were literally like wearing clothes in one scene and then they changed into other clothes. And anyway, not to go into the total conspiracy element of it. I'm not going to say that some good meaning people didn't get caught up in something, but whatever happened on the inside versus what was really happening that's been overshadowed, which was a million people were there to speak out that we deserve transparency. Yep. And that every time I hear the word insurrection, it's a its a mix between a little broken heart, hearted because they took something away from me that was beautiful by painting it in people's minds of we're this violent group. And then I get really angry. So I'm not going to say I know everything that went down, but I think about this, any situation in time where a million people show up, if we wanted an insurrection, we wouldn't even be debating whether that's what it was or not. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not what it was. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think uh, there's two things is if the, the right wanted to, uh, have an insurrection, it would be, uh, quite different than that situation. (laughs) You know, like we're the ones that believe in the second amendment. And if we really wanted to, it would not just be a bunch of people walking through and staying within the, like the red, um, velvet lines or whatever, you know? And then also I think, you made a really good point because a lot of people can get upset when you use the term um, like false flag or psyop or anything like that when it comes to a big event like that, like even 9-11, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever your opinions are, I think it's important to note that when we say these words, we're not necessarily saying that, regular people weren't involved or hurt or killed, but that the situation is not what it was portrayed to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. The, and it's really hard, too, because I'm so like, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. This kind of leads into what we're going to discuss, what was on our heart to share today. But the media immediately put out that an officer was bludgeoned to death, that like I've seen different reports, like four cops were killed, six cops were killed. And then they quietly retracted it all because the only person who is on paper that was actually killed that day was Ashley Babbitt. So they didn't make a big headline saying we were wrong. No one was bludgeoned there. I'm like, how is that acceptable for these blatant lies that are so damaging to just be put out there and then quietly retracted on the back end? And that, you know what I mean? It's just really difficult for me to, and I'm trying to tell people, and I I think our country is so used to lies and propaganda that they're just like, even when you give them the truth, they don't care anymore. There's such a desensitization to any news because we're slammed constantly with these, you know, really heated, dramatic stories. So when you tell someone the truth, they just don't care, which is kind of like what, you know, you and I wanted to discuss.
1: Yeah, well, I think that that's a a really good segue into what we've seen over the past 15 months, as well as when it comes to January 6th, there are roots in abuse and coercion and gaslighting of the population. So for example, a few definitions of abuse, and I got these from Merriam-Webster, are a corrupt practice or custom improper or excessive use or treatment, aka misuse, language that condemns or vilifies, usually unjustly and angrily, physical maltreatment, to use or treat so as to injure or damage. And then the one I thought was really interesting, they say on the definition that this one is obsolete, but another um, definition of abuse is deceive, which really plays into what's been going on in the past, especially 15 months, but really for longer than that.
0: Oh, absolutely. The, I did a post recent, uh, maybe a couple months ago about this, like being, I looked up the definition. There's this website about how to, to tell if you're an abusive relationship. And it was like a, an accredited study and it was the government fit the bill for every single one. And I was just like, pretty much right now no when you said the abusive terms too that's a big one like I don't know if you guys have specific terms that are used against you in your media ours are like white supremacist far right oh yeah uh, definitely racist is such an overused term like at this point they can call anything racist and people are just like oh that's racist like <laughs> just go along with it yeah you guys exactly have that there.
1: Or, you know, especially with what's been going on more recently, anti-vaxxer, right?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just these labels and people get so sensitive to labels. And it's one thing to understand that what the government's doing is abusive. It's another thing as a person like you and me to understand why people are so readily repeating the narrative. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, well, there's been such an excessive use of fear language in the media Um, when it comes to improper or excessive use. You can talk about the lockdowns. You can talk about mask mandates and vaccine mandates and the misuse of those things. I mean, if they had said from the beginning, listen, we recommend you wear a mask we recommend you stay home, but at the end of the day, it's your decision. Then that would have been a a reasonable kind of response. But instead it was, you will wear a mask, you will shut down your business and you will stay in your house, or we are going to arrest you or fine you or cancel you, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah.
0: It was a fast track into straight tyranny. And With no regard, I mean, the fact that people believe that they have our health and well-being in their minds is insane to me because I don't know anyone who's died of this virus. I'm not saying that people don't have people in their lives that they do. I know that they do. But I know of three people personally, like within one degree of myself, that have committed suicide this year. And they're like you know, there's so many repercussions that are not being talked about. So like last I checked, which is probably higher now in California alone, we lost 43% of our small businesses indefinitely. That is people had to shut down forever. And think about it, like that's someone's entire life's work. You know, maybe it was a generational business. Maybe they gave everything they had to this and put everything into it. And in one year or less, Their whole life's work was taken away from them because of a mandate for a virus that has a 99.97% survival rate, especially for young and healthy people. It's high. So the repercussions of this and like, what do you think about what like the kids and like how this has affected children?
1: Well, yeah, I think for me, what's happened to, or the impacts on children and the elderly are among the worst. I mean, yeah, it sucks for the rest of us. We can't do a lot of things, but okay. So when it comes to kids, they are, their, their development is impaired because they're looking at all of these masked people and they can't understand how to process emotions and how to, um, like express themselves facially So there's that. There is all the children who have been kept out of school, that that was their only escape from an abusive situation, or the meals that they were receiving at school were the only times that they got to eat. Then you can look at the kids that are a little bit older, like in high school some of these kids have been playing sports for their entire lives because they knew that that was their only way out of poverty and to get into college. And now because sports have been shut down, they can't get the scholarship that they needed to go to college. So what what are they supposed to do now, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely think about the children, it's been really hard because like, even at the stores, part of the reason I quit my job was just the psychological effects of this. I was just waking up. So yeah. I'm learning all of this stuff. That's really dark about, you know, what's going on under the surface at the same time I'm working. I was a wine rep. So I'm working in Walmart's Target, smart and fine, like all of these stores. So all I do all day is drive from store to store to store. So the impact of it on me when the mask thing started rolling out was watching the life out of everyone's eyes, pretty much. Like, mm-hmm. no one was smiling. To, and part of the reason I love my job was because I was so social and I love bringing joy and talking to everyone. And it just took it all away to the point where I couldn't handle my waking up process because with the working eight hours a day in this mask environment, because it was too much for me. And I had to make that decision yeah. to like find my you know, find my own journey and deal with this. But when I would see children then, and even now they're so subdued in a way that I've never seen in my life. You usually see kids playful and laughing and running around and they've learned not to speak because of these fucking muzzles, excuse my language. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: (laughs) no, you're good. Yeah. They've
0: learned to, I don't know, to not pay attention to people, to not look for social cues. It's such an important part of the developmental process to, you know, to study those around you, to know who's safe to be around, who's not like, uh, it's just hard. It's been really yeah, hard.
1: I, but it's, go ahead. I, I agree. I, yeah, I just, I agree. I have a friend who has a son who is two years old and he's been sick for about a week now And with some symptoms that match COVID and some that don't, but he, uh, his mother was trying to take him to the doctor and nobody will even look at him without a COVID test. Mm -hmm. And then after that, he has to put a mask on, which he's two. He's not, no one should be getting that shoved up their nose. First of all, Mm -hmm. let alone a two-year-old. And then he's supposed to wear a mask and then, so she, she went and got tested in hopes that if she tested negative, someone would see her child. And they told her that she had to quarantine away from her family until she got the results.
0: <laughs> That's insane. This this whole thing is crazy. <laughs> like, they're totally like gaslighting us as far as the way that they're putting out information is totally, it's just not logical whatsoever. And I'm trying to understand what the goal is. Like, what do you think the purpose of what they're doing is?
1: I don't know. It's hard because there's so many different possibilities. Um, I think, I think ultimately it's control um, and a power play, but I at this point I don't know. I've gone back and forth so many times on what it could be, but I'm just I feel like my brain is tired at this point. My brain is tired of trying to figure it all out. (laughs) Totally. What What do you think is the goal?
0: Um, that's hard. Obviously, when you go down the rabbit hole, it could be a number of things. And when you go looking at all of the uh, simulation exercises they've done in the past 10, 20, 30 years about this specific scenario that we're in, I've read all of them. So I'm, I'm just Mm kind of like, Oh, it's playing out like as if it was planned and they actually did this, but I don't like to go too dark into it. I've been actually, I was talking to my boyfriend the other day because I'm coming out of the darkness of it and I'm aware of this war we're in right now. But I, I've been tending to find more of like a spiritual place of not needing to know why so much, but just genuinely like f- focusing on my intuition and raising my mm-hmm. vibration as like cheesy as that sounds, it's, it's something that I feel like is the most important thing to do because when I look at this, I could say, oh, it's our government and it's this, but it's, it's really governments all, all over the planet. I can blame specific groups And that's one thing, but going into all that, how much does it matter? The reality is we know there's a war and I do believe it's spiritual. And I believe that the only way to fix it is with good, is with light, is with connecting to the divinity, whatever version you believe. And so for me personally, I believe that the more of us that do wake up and, you know, find that vibration of love, even angry love, sad love doesn't matter, but like actual genuine hope and belief for humanity that I do think that we will change the timeline or at least manifest light winning over darkness. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm just kind of getting away from like, I'm curious to hear what other people think, but I'm getting away from really needing to know why I just know it's wrong. And that's pretty much where. exactly (laughs) all I need to know is like, (laughs) yeah, but that's a
1: good point. Like you don't need to know why, I mean, it it is interesting to speculate, but at the end of the day, I don't need to know why I just need to know that it's wrong and fight against it. Right.
0: Exactly. And that's why I love what we're talking about today, because you and I are fighting and we definitely want to help people with tools to how to like, not be deceived by some of these things. So we have some tactics, you know, that we'd like to just kind of go through. And just like we were just talking about, you know, how the government's very abusive, one of the ways that they do that is with gaslighting. So can you talk and share a little bit about like what that is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I looked up a definition from psychology today because I always like to get my sources and we'll talk about this a little bit later as well from people that society deems reputable because then we're we're using their own sources, sources that they believe are reputable. So gaslighting is an insidious form of manipulation and psychological control. Victims of gaslighting are deliberately and systematically fed false information that leads them to question what they know to be true, often about themselves. They may end up doubting their memory, their perception, and even their sanity. Over time, A gaslighter's manipulations can grow more complex and potent, making it increasingly difficult for the victim to see the truth. Gaslighting aims to disrupt and distort foundational aspects of the victim's being, wearing them down, establishing confusion, and forcing them to rely on the gaslighter's version of reality. Mm. So that, to me, just sounds exactly like everything we've been through.
0: 100%. The wearing them down and the causing confusion really hit me just now because- I feel like when I think of Fauci, it's, oh, they've worked, the masks work, the masks don't, and this back and forth. Like, and, and some people are like, oh, he's just making all these horrible mistakes. And I had someone recently in my podcast say that it was for confusion. It was on purpose to put people in a state of confusion.
1: Exactly. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. It's divided, divided. We fall, right?
0: That's true. And, and wearing people down, that's another thing when it, with the back and the forth and the confusion and the blasting you with negative energy. Like, I'm sure you saw that project Veritas where the, I think it was a CNN guy was like fear cells, you know? So they, they obviously love anything that heightens our emotion and promotes us to be clickbaity and like whatever, and keep us in this state, but it wears you down so much. And uh, one of the results of being worn down by all of the negative headlines is like people just quit caring about anything because it's like, exactly, how am I going to get beat up by the news today? Like uh, last year, the George Floyd situation, if it were to happen this year, there might be an uprising for from from like a select group in the country. But the reality is the majority of people, I believe, would just be so numb to it, like we don't have time for this again. You know, that's what they do. They make you quit caring because they're exhausting you.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I think a big part of it too is it leads people to question what they know to be true. So when you think about what's gone on with COVID, they've kind of made people reconsider what they've known about being healthy for decades in favor of just being scared. Like, oh, I could eat healthy and exercise and do the best I can to live a healthy lifestyle because that's one of the best ways to avoid COVID because if you have comorbidities, you're more likely to, to die from the the virus. Um, But now it's just like, Oh, well, I'm going to wear a mask and get an experimental vaccine. And you know, now I'm, I'm healthy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's crazy to watch that. I'm like, they're they're changing the definitions, and it just makes me think they're also changing history, which is crazy. I just have to bring this up because last week there was a, I think it was CNN, they did um a piece with like highlighting the Lincoln Project on how, you know, D Day and storming Normandy was basically Antifa. And that Antifa won the war against the Nazis and Antifa. And they were painting this whole thing, like the good patriots who have done everything right was Antifa this whole time. And they were like, and, and they're coming. Yeah. Girl, you got to see it on my page. I literally, my jaw dropped and I thought of my, about my grandfather, who's not here anymore, but who served and was in Okinawa. And I'm literally like, if he saw this, like what the hell And they were saying, like, all the good patriots in history are Antifa. And then they were, like, to bring down tyranny. And then they show a photo of Donald Trump. I shit you not. And I was, like, does anyone else see this? Anyone? Anyone? And, like, I put it out there. And, yeah, obviously people who are on our side or whatever think like us are just, like, enraged. But I'm, like, seriously, does anyone see this? I don't care what you believe in you do know they're changing history. It's so blatantly obvious, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's why it's extremely difficult, like we were saying before, for those who are still asleep to see the truth now because they've been uh, indoctrinated and I guess brainwashed uh, to believe that they're living in a version of reality that actually doesn't even exist.
0: Exactly. No, and and some of the other ways that... You know, you and I have been talking about that kind of like contributed. This is like different things that they use, I guess. Celebrities, you know, people that they kind of push in front of us. I was thinking the other day, like, I see celebrities talk now and I see them so different than like a year and a half. I literally only Mm -hmm. used to follow celebrities. I was like, these are the most interesting people. So I would follow these people's (laughs) accounts on Instagram and, like, oh my God, I purged the shit out of it at one point. But I'm looking at them and I'm like, they tell us what to do. And I'm like, none of them are real people, you guys. Like they're humans, of course, but like they legitimately are paid sponsors. Like, and that's yep. something that like people believe that they know them and they like them. And I get it. Like there is a an allure to it that is kind of like magical, <laughs> you know, on
1: purpose. Yeah, there is.
0: Yeah, that whole thing. I definitely... I had that spell broken over me, but it's it's really hard to go from seeing to not seeing. When you say like asleep, just because I don't know, I've never really addressed this on my specific podcast, but like, what would you define being asleep?
1: Um, I would define being asleep as, if I had to do it very simply, it would be believing everything that you're told by quote unquote reputable sources and never doing your own research and looking into things. I think at the end of the day, you can classify them a lot of different ways, but that is probably the foundation of why they are still asleep is because they just, they believe what they're told. And I, I think too, it's, and I don't know if you've had any more or any of these experiences, but I've had significant experience dealing with, abusive narcissists and gaslighters and people who try to coerce you into things. Um, my mother was one of those people. And so I recognized all of this, I think, more easily than people who maybe haven't had those experiences. Have you ever dealt with anyone like that in your personal life or even in your professional life?
0: Um, definitely in my personal life. I was married to someone who was a very very strong narcissist and it didn't last very long but yeah it it drew me in and it was the type of person that was really magnetic and drew everyone in but then once we were like married and I truly got to know him it was like none of the things that he presented were real like he was basically saying information that he had memorized to make himself seem like this really intelligent, dynamic person, but he didn't embody any of the actual lessons from those Mm -hmm. things he was quote-unquote teaching. So yeah, I understand
1: that. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I think that's a really important point that you made too, that he was magnetic because narcissists are, they know exactly how to manipulate you in order to draw you in. And then it's only later once you've already been Um, sucked into their world that you realize that they're not who they say they are.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. That is, what was your experience? If you don't mind sharing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot to it, but essentially um, my mother was a severe alcoholic narcissist um, and she she would get mean when she would drink. And there were so many different things uh, and experiences that stemmed from that. But it took me until I was about 14 to really realize it. And what happened basically was I was very depressed, very anxious from having to deal with all of these things. And I was self-harming and... One day it got to the point where I could no longer hide it. And when I told my mother uh, what had been going on and kind of showed her uh, what I'd been doing in terms of self-harm, she, I, I will never forget the look on her face. It was this look of absolute disgust. It wasn't concern. wasn't sadness. It was just like disgust. And from there... Many things happened, but it was along the lines of just her trying to protect her image and trying to, yeah, trying to uh, make sure that none of it came back on her and made her look like a bad person. So I ended up uh, moving in with my dad full time. And I'm very thankful that I had a place to go um, and that I had one good parent. So it it could have been a lot worse for me, but I think after years and years of working on those issues and I don't know, realizing what kind of person she is, when this all happened, I called it so fast because I had already seen it. Mm.
0: That makes perfect sense. That's honestly to go through that with like an ex or whatever is really difficult, but for it to be your own mom, like I don't even know that would just be really hard because this is the person that's supposed to be your nurturer, your protector. And that's really frustrating that she made it about her and wasn't really there for you, but it is exactly what I feel like we're experiencing right now. It's this relationship that's with whatever the government that they're trying to put this idea of like, do this because, you know, it's good for you. And I care. And when you don't, they're like slapping you in the face. And it's like, you don't care about me. Like, what is, what is the agenda? You know? Exactly.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, and we've, we've made idols and heroes out of people who have no idea what it's like to be normal. And before, before I continue with that, I just want to say, it, it sucks, of course, to have it be a parent, but it sucks just as much for it to be an ex or anybody else. Um, it's it's never easy. So, I mean, for you and for anyone else, like your your pain matters, even if somebody else's is worse. So, I just wanna I just wanna make sure I say that.
0: No, that's true. And honestly, like I I do I've been through honest. Okay, <laughs> I've had two marriages that ended. I have had an abusive relationship for three years. I have been in three cults. I know I'm only 38, but I have experienced, yeah, I've moved over 40 times in my life. I have literally packed so much life into, and I'm happy to say I am seven, almost seven years into a very healthy, beautiful relationship and my life is completely better. But before the age of, you know, 33, I packed in a lot. So I think like, so like you and your experience, I believe that that's why I knew immediately that something was wrong. Like, and I do yeah. think there's something about like living through difficult things that helps you to see it come in like miles away.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I love to, to ask people about their awakening story. What was that journey like and what kind of really opened your eyes
0: I just felt something pretty quickly. I, you know, I did the thing where I was like, oh, it's so funny. Like in February, my friend was visiting. They were like, oh, there's this virus. And I'm like, that's not real. I was like, it's bullshit. And then, <laughs> and then it all came about and I was like, oh, this is a thing. And I mean, I had about a week maybe of sanitizing and and scared of everything, you know? I'd say I gave into it for about a week and then uh, I started seeing things go wrong. I think the thing that woke me up was aside from research and I went further into that was I saw that the whole world government were all handling it the same and I had never seen that in my lifetime I I was like wait a second like if it was just the United States and we're dealing with it our way and then other countries are acting differently it would have probably lasted a little longer for me the like indoctrination but like I was like our governments have never worked together for anything this is something bad wow And that's That's a good point. Yeah. It was just like, this isn't a thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. So it just didn't make sense that all of a sudden allies, enemies, doesn't matter. All the governments were in unison. I was like, no. So for me, I was like, I said, I was an essential worker and it just got really heavy. I would go to work. I would cry in my car. Uh, Just little things. I watched the day the masks uh, signs went up and it hit, everything hit my spirit, like a punch in the gut. Like I, that's how it felt for me. And then I started trying to do the mass. It didn't work. I started, I just couldn't do it. I can't explain it. I just can't do it. And then I started fighting back. I told my employers that I was going to stop wearing masks. And they, they told me I couldn't do that. I'd have to quit. And then my boss finally was like, you're wearing your mask, right? Wink, wink. And I'm like, sure. He was basically like, just don't tell us. I was like, okay, but there's some stores I can't go into. So I was there trying to fight. I would I would meet the managers outside and say, I'm not coming in. I'm sorry, I won't be able to service your store if you require a mask. And you know, I just started fighting. I realized that I wanted to be in the fight. And then my job was getting in the way. So it got so much better once I quit. And I was fortunate enough to make a huge bonus that I'm still living off of. And it was, it felt very divine the way it worked out. Like, I don't even know how, but yeah, then I, I just, you know, dedicated myself to knowledge and to sharing the truth. So I don't know.
1: I love that. The, the universe rewarded you for making that decision and made sure that you had provision to carry out your mission. And I think that's amazing.
0: It was crazy. I mean, and then this year, like stupid fact, but like I made like four times what I've ever gotten in my tax return and I have no idea why. And I literally was like, oh, I'm going to go get a job. And I was like, I'm feeling like I should just get a job. And then the next day I did my taxes and I was like, what? Like, okay, I guess I'm going to keep going. Yeah. It just does feel like I'm for some reason meant to like take a break right now, but (laughs) we'll see.
1: It's, it's divine. It's divine intervention.
0: <laughs> Seems like it. Anyway, enough about me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we'll go back to, to what we were talking about, about celebrities and athletes. And there's really this worship culture of these people who ha- really have no interest in protecting us or what's best for us, but they, they just want to protect their bottom line. And they can be easily bought and manipulated. And we saw this when the vaccine kind of started to come out, right? And since it's an emergency use authorization, they can't promote it on TV the same way that they do drugs in America. They can't do that here. Um, They haven't been able to do that here. But um, instead, both countries and probably a lot of countries around the world are paying celebrities, athletes, influencers, politicians, um, most of who probably aren't even getting jabbed, but they're still being paid to promote the vaccine.
0: Absolutely. I I want to find it. I was just looking for it. I I read it, uh, the transcript back, I think they wrote it in February or March. And it was like, all these health organization people laid out this transcript of like how they were going to get people to take a vaccine. And this was like, right. When we're just finding out about COVID. So Mm -hmm. it's Fauci and all these people. And they had this long thing of like how they're going to coerce people and they go into using celebrities. And it was like, so pandering if you would have read it, like get, get black celebrities to go into black neighborhoods and to talk about the vaccine. And like, it's like when you see their their plan laid out like months before a vaccine was even talked about, you're like, oh, okay. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously what they're doing.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Well, and we even saw with like micro influencers who have like 10,000 followers mm-hmm. or less who were offered like just over a thousand dollars, I think, to promote the shot on their social media pages, even if they didn't get it. Exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. No. Well, and and it's like the same way as like Kim Kardashian being paid to endorse like skinny tea or something. You know they're not drinking that shit. They oh, have personal exactly. trainers and private chefs. Like do you think they're really looking out for your health?
0: No, exactly. And the thing is like knowing that they do this is one thing, but like, we have to, as a society, stop caring, like just asking the simple question of like, why does this person validate this product? How are they different from anyone else? You know what I mean? It's just like, we have to stop putting this power in their hands. And to be fair, I think it's a lot of younger people that are really influenced by celebrities. Like I even like when they were going hard on the voting Cause obviously it's not like legal to be a Republican in Hollywood verbally. And so <laughs> they're sitting there telling people how to vote. And I'm literally thinking like, who's listening to celebrities tell them how to vote. And I'm like, it's probably the same kids that idolize, you know, Cardi B and Miley Cyrus. And mm-hmm. I guess it has to work on some level, right? Like, cause they genuinely look up to these people.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great parallel and I I think you're right. People, especially the younger generations are looking to celebrities now to set the bar of their morality and what's right instead of God. I mean, in the old days, right? Like whatever you you believe, I think back then there was at least a moral blueprint that was unchanging. And now it's kind of like you're grasping at straws and doing mental gymnastics, trying to figure out what is okay and what's not based on the day of the week.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. And it's just turning into this, like what's popular culture, which is just really hard for me to, to live in that world because it's getting a little like almost bullying. If you go against the popular opinion. And I'm like, first of all, how do we know it's popular? I had my friend I adore dearly, but he told me like, oh my God, we are the majority. He's a liberal. We are the majority. There's so many more of us than there are of you. And I was like, I don't think that that's the case at all. But I was like, yeah. you have to remember that the only people talking or allowed to speak right now and who have a microphone is these small groups of celebrities athletes like media people and they're censoring and silencing all voices who disagree so I'm like the bully has the microphone and it makes it appear like it's the majority but it doesn't that doesn't represent America doesn't represent my neighborhood or where I live or my city
1: at all you know yeah it's they're just louder that's all exactly well, and yeah. those those who preach tolerance seem to not really know what the word means, or they're trying to change the definition of it. Uh, I looked up a couple definitions of tolerance from Merriam-Webster. I was on a dictionary kick today, apparently, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but a couple definitions of tolerance are the capacity to endure pain of hardship, endurance, fortitude, stamina. The act of allowing something or the allowable deviation from a standard. And the far left has kind of created their own definition where you must support the things that you don't agree with. Um, And then if you don't agree with them, you're racist, sexist, or a bigot. It's not just those things exist, but I don't have to support them. Now they're saying you have to support them.
0: Well, it's hard because what like you said, like what started off as a movement of tolerance, you know, there was a time that the left was fighting for LGBTQ right to marry, which I don't think anyone really had an issue with, but our government, you know, decided when they thought it would be okay or whatever the issue is, there's always been a standing up for the underdog kind of a mentality, but what has happened is like you said, it's turning into a very, I hate the overused word, totalitarian, but it's almost like, like you said, do what I say, or you're completely ostracized from society. And I will say my, my best friend, like I said, he's a gay liberal. He's more than that, but just sum up like his political identity, whatever. But he, he was telling me about because when I came out as a Trump supporter, it was like a coming out. Like, I literally made a big deal about it on Instagram because I was like, you Good know what? For you. Well, I didn't want to like have these like separate conversations. And so I think it was July 4th of last year because I had been leaning towards him slowly, slowly. And most of my friends were liberals. So, like, did this whole coming out story. Like, okay, tomorrow I have big news. Some of you won't like it. And I drew as many people to my page as I possibly could because I just want to rip off the Band-Aid. I told all the reasons why and I finally dropped the bomb. And then I was like, if you're in my life and you love me, don't please don't text me or ask if I'm okay until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I was like, I'm going to enjoy the 4th of July. But since then, I lost almost all of my gay friends and lesbian friends. And I had a lot because, you know, I've just always surrounded myself with a lot of free thinking people. And I was a very heavy liberal and like they all left. And it was so heartbreaking. a couple, like screamed at me on the way out, telling me I was in a cult. I was racist. I was not racist, but a bigot, whatever. And so I had this horrible experience and my best friend to his credit never left. And not just that, but we could have dynamic conversations about our differences and we would learn from one another and he had some people hitting him up that were mutual friends. Like what's wrong with Ashley? Like what's her, is she losing it? And he finally got really fed up. And he was like, you know, what I'm seeing right here is he, I want to say he called it liberal bigotry where he was like, yeah, I thought it was pretty like, and it was very healing for me to hear him, like say this and stick up for me in this way. But he was like, we cannot do to another subsect of society what has been done to us in the past. And he was like, what are we becoming if this is how now we are? And so for him to be able to recognize that and like understand that the similarity between you know people who have suffered a little bit of like ostracism or mislabeling in the past, like for him to apply that to me, and speak to it. Yeah. It felt like it was it's a rare thing but it really stood out to me, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. There's such an interesting thing in society right now where it's either black or white. There's no gray. They just want to put you in a box. Either you are uh far left or you're far right and if you are far right. They want to say that you're racist, sexist, whatever, even though those people that left, they knew you. And it's not necessarily that your values changed. It's that you realized your values were better represented by somebody else.
0: Exactly. And honestly, it, but I didn't even look into politics. So I was just kind of like, I just think everyone should have the same rights. And I don't know. But then once I started looking into politics, I realized how much I was actually not a, tr- a true liberal, you know, maybe closer to a true liberal, yeah. liberal, but what we're seeing today is a hybrid. It doesn't represent what true liberalism means. And I, it's amazing no. to me to like learn history and to think about like the old hippies I know that were like fighting for anti-war at one time and who were ostracized and demonized that that's not what we're seeing today this is a different (laughs) no this is a different like kind of hybrid that we got going on in it and think about it like liberalism has now become do what the man says
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep exactly
0: Oh, like, what the hell? Like, I know, I'm sure you've seen it, that whole, like, if you're on the side of the politicians, the technocracy, like, the corporations, the banks, like, all of this, if you're on the side of all of these machines, you're not the resistance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like, I mean, when it comes to, like, tolerance for me, I think, like, for example, if you, if you take the gay marriage thing that you brought up, do i personally agree with it no i'll be honest about that i don't but at the same time i don't think that i don't think it's my place to go and you know protest a gay wedding or something you know i'm not going to do that i don't agree with it but i'm not going to really stop you as long as you're not you're not hurting anyone like you do your thing the problem i have with it is when you get into how it's being pushed on children and how uh, these these whole uh, trans movements and drag queens reading to children. And I mean, maybe, maybe this is something we'll disagree on. I'm not sure. But I just, I don't think you need to involve children in that.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely agree. This is a complicated one for me because I'm extremely sensitive to this topic and the fact that I've known a lot of trans people. And so for me, I don't address this ton on my, on my page because I don't want to ostracize people. But what I do see that I will speak to is that there's a difference between the individuals in any group, but in this group specifically and the agenda And there is an agenda. And I've absolutely seen the agenda very clearly. And it makes me very angry as someone who very much supports the community. It makes me angry to see these leeches grab on to just their identity and take it over in a way that is It's, it's putting a stain on it. And one thing I I saw something the other day, I forget what it was. It was like, I know that they've been trying to push for this, like, what is it? Man, boy love or whatever that, that organization
1: trash. trash. Yes,
0: exactly. Like they're trying to make it and they're trying to desensitize this idea of like, oh, you know, like different age sex, like with children, with minors is fine because that's a a thing that they want to introduce to the LGBTQ community. And I will say that community will not have that. There might be the agenda push, but I do think it's important for people to hear, don't think of the whole community in this way of individuals. Remember that they're Mm -hmm. under attack. They're trying to be infiltrated, but it does not represent people. Like I know that anyone that I know that's gay, if they heard that about like, oh, we're going to have like, you know, pedo flags flying in the rainbow, they're going to be like, absolutely not. And they're not going to be for that. You know what I mean? But there is an agenda. You're so right. You're absolutely right.
1: Well, and I think it's really funny because you basically just said exactly what I said on the episode of the conscious mantras that I was on recently. Mm. And that's a, that's a really great podcast too, for anyone that hasn't listened to it yet but I said the same thing I said there's the individuals who you have to look upon with with compassion and they are they are God's beings as well they're God's creations as well but then there's also the agenda and the agenda is awful and just I don't know I, I agree there are there are two ways that you have to look at it whether you agree with it or not
0: yeah I just think that One thing that we're falling prey, like we're talking about with this manipulation tactic, this divide and conquer, this thing they have going on is they'd like us on our side. I don't think they're so worried that there's people on the right who exist as long as we stay on our side and we don't cross over into understanding, into communicating with different people. And I think it's important for anyone not to get stuck in our belief systems that are so polarizing. And I have to challenge myself Mm -hmm. sometimes, like- I love it on the right. It felt like coming home to family. It was where I found love and inclusivity and the actual things that I thought the left agreed with, but I've never experienced it until like this to this degree until I came over here. But I have to remind myself there's times when we get so comfortable and being around like-minded people that there is that danger of just categorizing an entire group. And I think it's important to always question and challenge that within ourselves. Like, am I just getting Mm -hmm. really comfortable with assuming that these people are all this and you could fill that in with anything, whether it's all liberals or, you know, all whatever. I think it's important to not get stuck in that because it's tempting. (laughs) Well,
1: that's, that's no, it is. And that's an important point because you're right. If, if they can keep us in our box, in our far left, far right boxes, and we are too polarized to even have conversations with each other, yep. then we're never going to unite. And then that's when they win. Exactly. So when we speak to each other and we speak to people who disagree with us, no matter what side you're on, speak to someone who disagrees with you. And usually, if you listen and you are trying to, you can find more things that you agree on than Absolutely. disagree on.
0: It's a hundred percent. I don't know if we're there yet, but it's honestly we are more the same than we're not. I truly believe this. And like, okay, so I had this experience twice or two things that kind of stick out for me uh, that made me kind of see the other and relate to them so one was obviously you know everything that went on in the summer Fox News and all these organizations even our community is passing around the videos of the burning and the looting and like all of the you know the worst parts of what happened but when I was at the sixth and then I saw how it was represented after it totally like made me realize I don't agree with everything that may be the reasons why people were out protesting, but what happened is people who were out there because they truly were trying to fight for something they cared about were kind of demonized to our side and basically misrepresented by the few people who were violent. And I don't know, there was just something about I am automatically categorized as an extremist insurrectionist and i'm like that couldn't be further from the truth and i'm like how many people felt that on the other side over the summer who were just there peacefully because they were heartbroken about seeing this man lose his life you know what i mean and then like the other thing that happened was (sighs) the election so i campaigned hard for trump and i put everything on the line i lost a lot of people and then november 5th, 6th, as we watch everything unfolding, I knew what was going to happen. And then they announced for, well, like a couple of days before they announced, I knew it was going to happen. And when they announced for Biden, I felt like my world just like was devastated. Like I literally was in a ball on the couch and I haven't felt that way probably ever. Just like a sense of hopelessness that, I knew it would be okay in the in a while, but it was like I, ha- I knew that so many people would want to come out of the woodwork and be like laughing at me, and like there was this, there was a lot of sense of joy around this loss and the hatred for him. I knew was going to run even more rampant and spill over to people who supported him vocally. and also just for my country, you know, like,,
1: mm-hmm.
0: these horrible people are now all of a sudden in the situation. I remember thinking like I was kind of looking forward to some liberal tears. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I had conservative or, you know, more on the right tiers. And I was like, shit, I never want anyone to feel this way. Like, I would have not had empathy had I had not gone through that experience of like, this sucks. And some people felt this way when Donald Trump was elected. You know, whether it's rooted in yeah. logic, it doesn't matter because it still hurts, you know.
1: Yeah, still feels very real to you when you're in it. And I have, I actually have kind of an interesting perspective because when Trump got elected in 2016, I was still really liberal. And so I felt that disappointment when Hillary lost. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Uh, And then I woke up um, probably a couple weeks or months later. And then when 2020 happened, I, I kind of felt that, but amplified because I feel like I know the truth more now. And it was a bigger sense of loss, um, having done all the, the digging and the research I'd done, uh, rather than just being spoon fed from the media. Right.
0: Absolutely. No, it, Yeah, it definitely felt like a bit of a bigger loss this year. I actually wonder sometimes if people think about me, like whoever's left in my life, I'm pretty sure I don't have anyone left. (laughs) It's on my Instagram. Like I never know, but I'm pretty much in an echo chamber at this point. But I wonder if people are like, why is this girl so obsessed with Trump and talking about the politics and like all of this stuff? And I get why they would think that, because if it was any other year, and someone just couldn't give it up. I'd have been like, damn, like that girl's still talking about Hillary. Like, give up the like, give it up, girl. And I'm like, but this is different, you know, it's different yeah. because it's exactly. not even about Trump. It has it's really not about Trump. He's a catalyst for truth. He's someone who told the truth, and that's why we love him. But like, it's not about we are obsessed with him so much. It's we know where this is going if we don't have anyone fighting for us. And obviously we're fighting for ourselves now, which I think is the whole point of this and what should have been happening all along. But yeah, I think that people are probably confused. Like, (laughs) Why does this girl still talk about him?
1: (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, you're still so early in your journey, you know, like one year. I know it seems like a long time just because the the shit over the past year. Yeah. (laughs) But... When I tell you that like you will find more of your people and you will replace the people in your life with people who think more similarly than uh, to the way that you do, but who also can take being uh, respectfully challenged, you know what I mean? Like I don't agree with all of my my friends and my family and all these people who we generally agree, but we're able to have respectful conversations. Yeah. And so you will find them. They will come. I promise. (laughs)
0: Well, they already are. Like, I can't believe how many people I've met. Like it's, it's been really incredible. I, I literally went on vacation this year for seven days with a girl I never met in person until the day we like day before we went on a trip. And I love that we found each other online, which (laughs) I'm sure people are like, that's so weird, but it's my new normal. Like, Oh, that just sounded gross coming out of my mouth.
1: Um. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. I don't think, okay, anyone listening to like my podcast, for example, I know you have a little bit of a different audience base, but no one's going to find internet friends weird. Like internet friends are the best yeah. because you connect. You connect so purely, right? Because you're just yeah. talking. You're like, you know, if you disagree with me or it we don't click, who gives a shit? I'm never going to see you. Well, that's the thing. And
0: like, it's not weird to meet people online. It's no different than a dating app. Like, and it's funny because I don't know, like this girl, I adore her. And we had talked on the phone a whole bunch and we just like, I don't know, felt drawn to each other. And then we went on a vacation and I was like, I don't know how it's going to go. You know, it's like going on a blind date or a yeah. date with someone you've been online dating forever, <laughs> but it was amazing. <laughs> and like, I I love so many people. Like there's this, there's a girl that I love and you really do get to know someone. It's like you get to mm-hmm. know like who they are in a way that's very unique. And there's a girl; she put out a meme the other day. It said something like, "It was like at my future wedding," and she said, "My mom." It's like, "Who are all these people?" And she's just like, "These are all my internet friends, mom." Like, and, was, <laughs> and she was like, "It's gonna be the best wedding ever." I was like, "Girl, I'm there," and I'm like, "That's how it feels." Is like there's a sense of family, and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk on the phone with these people, like they've become my true friends. Whereas a lot of my lifelong friends just kind of like were real sensitive, kind of like, and I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, do you like, you don't, I guess you don't want anything different than you in your life. That's cool. Like,
1: I yeah. make you angry. Well, it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's cool too, because I think in this community, a lot of people are anonymous, right? So you make connections based on intelligence and knowledge and kindness, as opposed to the more shallow things that we're sometimes drawn to in in our everyday life.
0: That's a really good point. You totally get to know people on who they are. And I don't know about you, but for my whole life, I've craved really in-depth relationships like we don't yeah, always have to be deep, deep, but I wanted to know that people were capable of going deep. And yeah. a lot of people are freaked out by that. And I knew, I learned that very young. Like I have a lot of friends, my whole, even up until, you know, a few years ago, who only saw the side of me that they liked the most. So I, as someone who went to like seven schools and moved all the time, I became a chameleon where I was like, whatever you want me to be. And then- I knew that they loved me for an aspect of myself, but I also knew the whole time that they didn't know me. And I always felt like I was lacking a bit. Like I've had a lot of people like consider me their closest friend, but they were only seeing an element, you know, that I would mirror back to them. And this year for the first time when I did become fully free, and I don't know if you've experienced this in your wake up process, like I would love to hear about that. But for me personally, I felt like once I let go of the, the shackles of needing to be liked, it felt incredible to truly be myself. And then I drew people who were truly themselves. I'm finally having something that I craved my entire life.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like not having to make yourself smaller to fit in somewhere yes. is such a freeing feeling. Like I, I totally had that. Like, for example, if we use, um, what I was just telling you earlier about the experience with my mother, right? So many people get uncomfortable when I talk about that. And it's been a long time for me. It doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore. I just share it sometimes because it's part of my life. It's part of what made me who I am. And it doesn't, like, I'm not saying it for sympathy. I'm not doing it for anything like that. It's just, it's, it's a part of me. And so many people get so uncomfortable, which like to a certain extent I get, but they'd rather just not hear it. And they'd rather not know that darker part of me. And so I think the the shift happened within the last year or so. And when it comes to politics, when it comes to conspiracies, when it comes to what I've been through, all of it, I wasn't even really vocal um, on my personal Instagram or like to my friends about my views because... I was worried that I was not going to fit in or I was going to be judged. And you're right. When you stop worrying about being liked, the feeling of freedom that you get is so beautiful. It's unlike anything else. That's when you start to attract people to you that are going to think in similar ways that you do.
0: It is. It is the law of attraction. It's exactly... It's something I've only experienced. That's how I know it's real. And it's interesting how you said how people were really uncomfortable around you telling that story. That's your story to tell. What do you think it is? I've been racking my brain. Trust me. Like, what is it that people feel this resistance towards anything a little too real, a little too genuine, a little too, what do you think it is?
1: That's a really good question. Uh, I think I think part of it, at least, has to do with uh, the evolution of social media and connectedness, and even movies and TV shows. We on social media tend to portray ourselves so perfectly, and so everyone is just used to having these picture perfect um, characters around them. And so they get really uncomfortable when they see something that goes against that. And then secondly, I, I, think, I think a lot of people have grown up with either trauma or just negative experiences that they've had in their life that they haven't dealt with. And so when somebody else speaks about their trauma or what they've been through, it triggers something in them that they don't want to think about it. So they just block it out.
0: That makes sense. It really does. I I have the same vein of thought. Even if I didn't like think it as good as you said it, I definitely have had this feeling of like, there's something in them that they're afraid to look at. And there's something about you that reminds them of it. You know, like there's something about if you're, if there's a part of your life where you're not free and you see someone who's totally free it might trigger jealousy, resentment, um, fear about "oh, I want that, I can't, I can't overcome or get to that point," and therefore, like I just reject this person. They're too painful to look at, and that's honestly something I can definitely attest to experiencing in my life. I remember times when I was in a depression or struggling. And then someone like would call me and be like in the opposite place in their life where they're having these major breakthroughs and they're just celebrating something. And I remember feeling like I did not want to hear about it. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it was (laughs) was painful to like, so I'm not saying I'm beyond like experiencing that. I just, am always trying to, my brain is so inquisitive. I'm always trying to figure out the psychology behind like what it is and Yeah. I think that, yeah, yeah, you put it really well.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point though, too, is some people are probably doing it out of self-protection essentially. But I think, I think there comes a point in everyone's life where you have to either deal with your issues or you're just going to, you're just going to stay kind of the same. I mean, I'm, I have been through severe depression and anxiety, but I honestly think that trigger warnings are so uh, damaging and that they do more harm than good because it it just makes us so sensitive to everything and triggers, as unpleasant as they are, they're your invitation to look at why you're reacting that way and what you need to work on.
0: I love that. That's your invitation. You're absolutely right. No, it it makes perfect sense. Like I remember some of the most difficult times I went through in my life. When I even in them, there was something so special. And even looking back, they're highlighted as my most memorable moments. And it was when I was isolated alone, struggling with something. But I w- it was like in that place, like you said, the invitation, there was always an invitation into something. And every time I've gone through anything really difficult, I'm starting to learn now that I've just faced things over and over, just continue to face them head on. I'm starting to learn that the pattern of it and when something Mm -hmm. difficult comes up within you and you follow that invitation, it's like you're about to get free from something. You're just right at the cusp. And I think many people out of fear just stop just short of that freedom but it's usually for me personally, you know, the more openly I run into that space and just evaluate it, look at it, sit with it, be like, okay, this is what I'm like, deal with it head on. Kind of just goes away shortly after,
1: you know? Exactly. I don't yeah. know. I will. And recognizing, but no, but you're a hundred percent right. Recognizing that you're feeling that way. You have to, first of all, um, let yourself feel it, which is, scary in itself right to feel an emotion so strongly but once you feel that you have to stop for a minute and say okay why am i feeling this way what is making me feel this way so like as an example when my boyfriend doesn't text me back or he doesn't answer my call and my brain starts going into overdrive well where is he what is he doing is he with someone else where is he you have to stop and say okay why am I feeling this way? I know I can trust him. I know that it, this has nothing to do with him. So why am I feeling this way? And then you can relate that back to past relationships or abandonment issues from, from your mother or things like that. But once you begin to notice those things, it sounds so simple, but you're right. It actually stops stops the thought in the future because you've already dealt with why you were feeling that way. No,
0: it's like the core, the core issue, like digging it up by its root. Right. You're absolutely right. I feel like, don't you feel like once you go on this journey of answering to yourself, I it's more just like answering to my own heart, learning how to listen to my own my own, that still small voice inside me that is, that wants me to be expanding constantly in this expression of life that doesn't want me to be held back Mm -hmm. by anything, whether it be fear or, you know, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever it is. Like, as I, what was I saying? Totally lost my train of thought.
1: Well, it's like, I'll, I'll kind of feed it into this. Like my, my psychologist calls it your inner child. You're, you're nurturing your inner child and making sure that you feel safe, whatever you've been through, you can make sure that now you are safe and you love yourself and surround yourself with people who value you. It's, it's important.
0: I agree. And also just to people who are going through this and it's still very painful this like losing people or whatever and I I bring this up a lot because I just think a lot of people understand and relate to this. I think knowing yourself in different phases that you're in is really important. So for instance, like last year, I was in shock and a lot of hurt from the people who were leaving my life. And it was such a painful thing that it was it was something I really had to wrestle with pretty much daily like and I made the choice at that time to kind of go into self-protection mode. And I kind of liken it to like in my turtle shell, like I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't call friends that I normally would have, cause I was terrified of what they might've thought of yeah. me at the time. And I, so I took a year completely removing myself, but I kind of had to, because when I was in the thick of it, my own process of waking up and growth. I needed to make sure I was in a safe space. So I want to just like put out there, it's okay to take those moments. But then, you know, 2021 rolled around and I had a gut instinct that this was my year to reconnect and open my heart up again and let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to reach out to those people I haven't talked to. And if they are going to reject me, then I'm ready for that. And I've actually been pleasantly surprised. There's been one difficult situation where I hurt someone by my absence and had to deal with that. And so it's, I just want to say like, you'll go through phases and sometimes it's okay to shut down and be in a safe place with people that you can trust, especially if you're in a vulnerable position, position, but that it doesn't have to last forever.
1: Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's a really good point.
0: And it's good to let people go. That's one thing, you know, I hate to like ramble on, but I recently had an encounter with someone on my podcast and they're very sweet. They're my family, but we had a very disagreeing and I got to get in the mind of a liberal. And, and it, it was kind of surprising to me, the division and him and I are going to be fine. That's not the point. But I started to realize this idea of unity at all costs is a fantastic idea, but Knowing the landscape, I'm not sure that it's completely attainable at this point. And I think that's okay. You know, I think it's okay yeah. when we have to just like let people go in a way of like let them float away and wish them as much love in your heart as possible. But it doesn't, it's not a bad thing.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. No, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I think the thing that I've always said, especially dealing with all of the stuff with my mom. And I think actually to bring it back to the question you asked earlier, I think another reason people are so uncomfortable with me talking about it is because usually it's it's not the moms. It's usually the dads or somebody else. And moms are portrayed as these ethereal angels who are all nurturing and loving and can do no wrong. And while that might be true for a lot of people... It's not true for everyone. So I think one of the big things that I learned through the experience of my mother was that these these people who are, are narcissists and who are not telling the truth and who may be doing you wrong, they will succeed for a little while in convincing others that you are something that you're not. But at the end of the day, they will always see that person's true colors And they will not have the same opinion of you because they will realize that they were manipulated.
0: That's a really good point. That really is. That's the thing is like the truth always comes to light. And I think the best thing that we can do is just work on ourselves. And I, I don't know about you. I'm on a fierce journey of finding embodying my most authentic self and Anything that comes up that feels at this point, like it's holding me back or it's like a, it's a negative element that I have that has a tendency mm-hmm. me to hurt others, you know, out of, I'm like, I have this fierce desire to get rid of it. Like, what is that? Where is that coming yeah. from? You know, do you feel like you're in that too? or?
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And for anyone that maybe is beginning to embark on that journey or feels called to embark on that journey. I'm going to tell you straight up because I don't <laughs> like to lie. It is not easy. It's not a good time, okay? <laughs> but no, what I will it. say is that it's worth it, right? Like it is at the end of the day. And it's not going to get fixed all at once. Uh, it takes a long time, especially, I mean, the more that you've been through in your life. Um, you'll just be continually called to work on a, a different piece Um, or a new piece of yourself or something that you've been through but the freedom that you feel when you look back because it doesn't it doesn't happen all at once right you don't just wake up one day and say oh I'm cured it's you look back one day and you're like oh I guess I haven't felt that way in a while have you have you experienced that
0: oh yeah I mean It's, it's for me, I see everything in my life, like my hangups and my insecurities. They're so real to me for whatever reason that when they're gone and I notice, like you said, you look up and you're like, Oh, I haven't felt that. Like, I'm like, Whoa, I haven't felt that. Like, Because these things kind of like, I've gone, they've ruled my life. You know, there was a time in my life if I would post something on Instagram that was like maybe an unfavorable, I'm trying to even remember what that would have been back then, because it would have been so like marshmallow, like compared to what I, (laughs) compared to what I, it would have been like throwing a marshmallow someone's way, where now I'm literally like raining hellfire down from the sky. But I literally would have been like paranoid for three days over what if people don't like this thing and <laughs> I mean I'm just like the now it's like that feeling I have not had that it'll come back every once in a while like oh you were a little angry when you said that and now I'll be like should I check this self thing in me or but it's not an, a like an irrational concern about what people think it makes me paranoid. Mm -hmm. I'm so much more free. And that's just one example of like many things that I've overcome. And just going back to that night of like laying on the couch after I was like, every like Trump, you know, not being announced and whatever. I was like, okay, I need to go within and examine this. And my first instinct wasn't about my fear for the country. It was about my ego. It was Mm -hmm. about the fact that people were going to laugh at me because I yep. put everything online. And I was like, I had this moment of sh- like, once I knew it was my ego, but I was avoiding it. I was like, oh, oh no, I can't have this. I need the perfect outcome. So I don't look bad. And then I looked at it. I sat with it. I was like, oh, this is your ego. But then there was this beautiful thing of like, oh, if it's my ego, I could deal with that. That's something I yeah. am in control of. Like I can a hundred percent deal with that. I was like, so what am I going to do? I'm going to have to look like a fool. I could definitely deal with that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I don't know. Yeah. I
0: just, I, I love that we're talking about this because you and I both like kind of talked ahead of time and, you know, wanted to just talk about like the societal effects of what's going on and the indoctrination tactics that they use and how they affect us. But this is a, a good road to kind of like, go down, because it comes back to following your instincts. And that's something that I want to touch as we take it into this last thing that we discuss, um, the instincts and how important that is. And I will say to anyone on this journey, yeah, it's difficult if you're going to start down this way of freeing yourself from whatever is holding you back, but I will say it gets so much easier the more you do it. Like it becomes Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, it could be like a quick hiccup of like an hour for a certain issue. You know how to address it now. You know how to deal with it. You know how to admit you're wrong, which is such a beautiful quality to like embody whatever it is. Like, don't you think it just gets so much easier? Your instinct gets so much more heightened.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, the more you do it, especially when you're, for example, like when you're researching, right? The more that you do it, the faster you get at finding information because you know how to find it. And I think it's important to note that when you're, you're researching and you can kind of go into this because I think you have thought a a little more in depth, maybe about how you research, but When you when you set out to research anything, any claim you see from any source whatsoever, make sure that you're looking for the truth, not my truth or your truth, just the truth, because anything else is just an opinion. So tell me a little bit about how you like to research and look into things.
0: Yeah, this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, because I think that, you know, we all have our version of the truth right now. And it's like, oh, do you listen to Fox or CNN or whatever your outlets are? Like, where is that where you're getting your truth? And, you know, it's amazing to me how we've all kind of found our little camps. I am like you. I want to know the truth, the truth, even if I don't like it, like even if I find out Mm -hmm. Trump did something horrible. I want to know. Yeah. I want to deal with the reality even if it goes against my narrative or my ideal situation. So like this last year I didn't know anything about research and I started learning and before I can say how to research I had to realize about the hurdles that have been placed in our way to make it more difficult for us to find the truth. So, yeah, you know, one of the big things is the tech companies are going to censor a lot of information. So you're going to see warning signs on everything. And that's something that needs to be addressed. So like, let's say COVID for instance, and you know, we've all experienced this. Someone says something and they're just like, well, here's a warning that's partly false, whatever that's can, I think that that can deter a lot of people like, oh, that's probably wrong. And I would ask anyone who thinks that, which probably isn't many of my or your listeners, but <laughs> anyone who does see those, or even if you are on the journey of truth, like I would say, follow it through. Like anytime I have a question about something, I want to know more. So even if it's from yeah. an opponent or an argument, meant a person. So like, I would say, go to the fact checks, every single Oh, it's hour. my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Can
1: you talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite one is when the Fauci emails came out. <laughs> they, like, <laughs> fact-checked. There was this one meme going around, and it was, like, of the girl. I think she's from, like, iCarly or something. And she's sitting in front of a computer, and it was, like, me reading all the the leaked Fauci emails uh, after being called a, like, conspiracy theorist for a year <laughs> or whatever. And then it was like, fact check. And it was like, you look at it and it says the art or the, the emails were not leaked. They were released through a FOIA request. And I'm like, okay, I don't give a shit. They're out. Yeah. exactly. What do they say?
0: It's trying to discredit the emails and that the fact check doesn't discredit the emails. It's just like, well, that's not where they came from.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The email, the emails aren't fake. They, they just weren't um, they weren't leaked. They were released through a FOIA request, which like, okay, even better. You're proving our point. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like the fact checks will reveal so much. So I want to say like, anytime anyone's curious about something, follow it through. If someone is saying, let's say it's a article, a news article, whatever debunked. Cause we're at the point now where you can read something like, Oh, that sounds awful. And then you Google it and it says a million articles of debunk, debunk, debunk. If you shut down your computer or your phone at that point, like, well, that's debunked and you go about your day, you've learned nothing. And Mm -hmm. so what I would say is, one, Google is highly controlled by one specific narrative. So Google is going to be a bit of an issue. You can still find information on Google though. So if you use Google and you're going to go through that and you're going to see something that says debunked, I would encourage you to read Why Is That Debunked and look for the truth in it. Stop looking for the agenda. I do this too. I struggle with this. I try to find my truth a lot of times to prove my point. And I'm like, nope, you're not going at it honestly. If you follow through, did they debunk it? What did they say? If they debunk it and they cite a source, go to the source. If they debunk it, like some people say, some researchers say that proves nothing to you. And that's Mm -hmm. just something to highlight. Our news has a way of saying, "Well, an anonymous source said." Well, that just means that I I could say the same thing, you know. I could talk to my crazy (laughs) my crazy friend who is like, "Oh my god, the sky is green," and I could be like, "Well, certain sources say the sky is green, so therefore that means (laughs) nothing." So
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if you've experienced that like, on Google specifically, just like kind of how they completely steer everything in one direction and basically black out the entirety of the world of information that is available.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. The most interesting thing for me, I say all the time, I remember growing up and in, in school, they would say, Oh, well, news is unbiased, which over the last few years has become a joke. But I remember we would have to, you know, even in essays, whatever we were writing for school, we had to cite our sources. You know, like if you're using another website, if if you're using, like I said, I said, Merriam-Webster, this is where I got the the information so that you can go verify that. Now you read an article and it's like, well, the, the Fauci emails paint him as someone who was really struggling to deal with, with the state of the world. And they don't even link the Fauci emails. So you can go read them yourself. They just tell you what's in them. And you're supposed to trust them. Exactly.
0: Absolutely. Sources are everything. I feel that journalism is dead. And that's why I would say, like, look deeper, just learn how to do a little uncovering and you'll find your way along the way. Obviously DuckDuckGo is, is there Brave? Is that one? Mm -hmm. I haven't used, I don't know. There's a few. I
1: haven't used it. I use DuckDuckGo too, but there, there are a couple.
0: Yeah, DuckDuckGo is a nice one because it doesn't use the same. It doesn't have the level of control. It's still gonna have a little bit of the effects of censorship. I don't know why, but it's going to be a lot easier for finding information. So there's times when I'll read an article or I'll see I'll see an article on Instagram and I'll go search for the article on Google and I just get a bunch of narratives completely against what that article was about. I cannot even find that article. I searched it in DuckDuckGo. Mm-hmm. And the first thing to come up is that article. So it's a lot easier yeah. to find information through DuckDuckGo, for instance. But yeah, that's, that's one thing specifically. Another thing I will say, so let's say you're online and people are like, I've seen people on our side just repost things. And then I've seen people on the other side assume it's all crazy and it's all wrong. So either way, wherever you are, I like to verify everything before I repost or share, or I want to get to the bottom. So if I see an article title and I want to find that full article, in DuckDuckGo, I type literally verbatim. I know this is a simple tip, but verbatim every single word in that article, and then read the entire article. And there's been times, I'm going to be honest, where gateway pundit, not to throw him under the bus, but I totally am like has posted something <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's crazy. And then I go search and I read the article and I'm like, they totally spun that in a really dramatic yeah. way. And like, I'm, that's the thing is like propaganda exists on both sides.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And it's yeah, well, it's really go ahead.
1: When you're reading a news article, I think it's important to look into each of the claims. First of all, you have to read the whole article. You can't just read the headline. Like for example, my aunt shared on Facebook (laughs) when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. You know how there was that Babylon Bee article and it was like all the NBA players wearing the little like doily things around there. (laughs) I swear to you, Ashley, she reposted that and was like this is so beautiful. And I'm like girl did you read the article cuz that <laughs> is a satirical organization.
0: It's like the the Onion for the right. Oh my god, that's Yeah, amazing. I almost
1: cried. When I saw that, it was just too good. No, but what anyways, I've so- done it.
0: I've done it too. I've totally not with the Babylon Bee, luckily, but I've totally <laughs> reposted stuff because I got trigger happy. I was like, that's exactly what I want the world to know right now. And then it, and I was like, ah, shit. No, if it sounds too that good one- to be true, it probably is. So definitely look into yeah. it. If it's like Trump's well, back w- in office next week, confirm. <laughs> definitely do a little more research on that one. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Well, that was like when everyone started posting and they're like, Trump's back on Instagram. And then like, we all got trigger happy and posted it. And then later we had to be like, uh, see, he is not actually back on Instagram.
0: Oh my God. But, exactly. So like, yes, take your time yeah. for sure. That's a really important one is like, take your time and find yourself not looking for confirmation bias, but the truth. So
1: yeah. So when you're, when you're reading a news article. First of all, like we said, read the whole thing. (laughs) Second of all, look into each of the claims, read the actual documents that it's reporting on, like in the Fauci emails example. Um, Consider the source of the article and the source of the documents. So again, it's just a really good example to use the Fauci emails. How were they obtained? Well, they were obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request. So you you can assume that they're legitimate, right? How were they released? Why and when were they released? How does it benefit certain people, right? Is it reporting accurately or have they twisted it like you were saying? So these are all good kind of questions that you need to ask whenever you're reading something. And I know it sounds like a tedious process, but the more that you do it, the more it just becomes second nature.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful. To be honest, once you're aware of the propaganda and like how you're being pulled in a million directions in this consumer society, once you learn how to find the truth for yourself, because for whatever reason, we have laws in place that say that people like the CDC, people like the WHO are not allowed to just not share their data with us. So because we have that protection. The CDC is one of my favorite examples and people ask me all the time, well, what are your sources? I don't know who you're listening to, but I have a doctor friend and I'm like, well, I'm just listening to the people who are the reason that we're in this situation as far as (laughs) why we have these mandates, why we have these guidelines. I'm looking at their actual data. Like you said earlier, you like to use kind of like the outlets that people go to. You did say that earlier, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like totally to use the, out the like, sources.
0: <laughs> I was like, did <laughs> no, I hear that no, somewhere else? I'm listening to too much <laughs> content. <laughs> no,
1: but- no, yeah. But you got to use, you got to use the sources that society and the people that you're trying to wake up, exactly. um, believe to be accurate.
0: Exactly. And if you're, I, yeah, it's like if we're following these guidelines by this organization, so let's look at this organization and see what their data says. And that's what I love about it is because I've found so much hypocrisy in the difference between the opening page of the And I've had so many people tell me like, it's really hard to find the truth on the website it's that way on purpose. So you go to cdc.gov and you're going to see a bunch of pictures of children and adults. And I'm assuming here, I haven't been to their front page in a minute, (laughs) but it's going to be like, why you should get vaccinated. Why you should wear a mask? Why you should, you know, lock yourself in your home for the rest of your life and do everything we say, or whatever (laughs) they're going to like spin it. How, and it's going to be this propaganda page, but if you want to get into the heart of it, the nitty gritty, the good stuff, you know, you got to go find those data sheets. And it is, it's a process. You know, I've done a couple of videos helping people explaining how to do it, but it's one of those things that I learned simply by being curious and looking and try to find like anything you're looking for, you will find it in their data. And a lot of times it will be PDFs. If you, if someone posts a study link and you are just a study, go look up that study and type PDF after it that is going to help you. Like every time you type in PDF to duck.go, you're going to probably get the original source. And yeah, it sucks to go through a 46 page document or, you know, 120 page document. <laughs> but if you're curious about something, look at the table of contents in that PDF. I download them. I save them on my computers. I highlight them for later reference, but go to the table of contents, find the thing that you're specifically interested in and You know, you're going to find the raw scientific data.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I will say something to make it easier. If you're looking for a specific study and you're having trouble finding the study itself, you can put PDF, but you can also put quotations around the group of words. And that will basically tell the search engine, I only want things that have these words in this format. And then it'll be a little bit easier to find what you're looking for.
0: Dude, I didn't know that. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think I learned that
1: in school. (laughs) Uh,
0: Why didn't I learn that in school? You just like saved me so much. Yes. Awesome. Yay. See, I'm just obsessed. (laughs) I'm obsessed with finding the truth. And there's something so, I don't know, gratifying when I'm reading a scientific study that is like, Peer-reviewed out on there about something really relevant in our lives right now, and I'm like, this is the best thing. And and I find these studies a lot of times from reading the full article, so it's interesting. Like CNN will be like, this is debunked. It's not a problem. Do what we tell you to do. Don't look over here. Here's our sources. Pop up up, and they'll like have a couple things. Go to those sources because. Mm-hmm. It will take you to the study or it'll take you to an article by another news outlet that was in a pain piece. And when you run into that dead end, you have to ask yourself, did they just prove anything to be scientifically or did they assume that I wouldn't do my own work and follow this to its end? So, yeah, yeah I just say fact check everybody and everything.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, like you were saying, your gut and your intuition are your best guides. Yes. Like you may even find a collection of random people on the internet talking about things that they've witnessed or experienced more trustworthy than a reputable news company. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. That's, that's the other thing that I'm excited to share is, you know, some people are like, don't listen to CNN. Don't listen to Fox news. Don't, you know, and I think that puts us back in the state of just echo chambers of information when we really need a full spectrum of the world to understand the truth and the scientific community. Yeah. You want everyone there to challenge it in order to whatever is true will remain and it won't be able to be refuted. So when it comes to this, I have the opposite kind of a thing. Like, and I don't spend a lot of time watching these things because at this point I've kind of gotten what i need to know but Mm -hmm. if you watch i think it's good to watch but instead of watching if you feel an emotion whether it be the alternative media to your own belief or whatever or the one you agree with if you feel an emotion be aware of that moment and be like why am i angry right now because there's a Mm -hmm. reason that you're angry that was intentional they there's a desire to pull you in. And then I would look at it like a case study, like, okay, I'm angry. What is the agenda? The agenda is to make me angry. Why? Towards who? Start doing that. Remember when we learned in school who, what, where, when, why? Those. That's a really yeah. important skill, <laughs> yeah, it's a really important skill, which ironically is intended for people like journalists are supposed to look at the world through that lens, but we have to be The ones looking at journalists in that way, because unfortunately Hmm. we're at a time where they're not just trying to get to the bottom of the things they're trying to control a narrative. They're trying to steer your brain and your thoughts. So that's something that I've found really fun is when I feel anger, I'm like, oh, you're angry. That's what they wanted. So I detach myself from that anger and I'm like, what is their agenda? And the thing that they're demonizing nine times out of 10 is the thing that you might want to look into because they're trying to tell you like, like, just like with Trump, they're like, he's so scary. Don't look at his Twitter. Oh my God. He tweets. That's so scary. So what did people do? They probably didn't even look at his Twitter. And we're just like, it's awful that he tweets. I'm never going to look at that. And they missed out on a lot of truth bombs. So (laughs) (laughs) when they tell you not to look, you might want to look.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, and a really good example of that is someone that I, I work with and he's been a family friend for a very long time and I love him dearly, but he's very indoctrinated. And I remember there was one time we were having lunch in the office and we're sitting there and he started saying things, oh, Trump is racist. Trump is this. Trump is that. And my favorite thing to do when somebody says that to me is, okay, why? And they're like, well, just the things that he says. Okay. So what does he say? Oh, well, well, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Okay. So you don't know what he says, then how can you have an opinion on it? And they're like, well, and they can't really come up with an answer.
0: It's 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 a real thing. I've had that same issue. And I used to be the person like not knowing the answer. So I would just like get loud. I'm so embarrassed. I'm such a, I was such a liberal. Like I remember thinking if I was loud and oh, me emotional, too. I would totally win. And I didn't win. I thought I, I had a dumb I I
1: Trump shirt. No.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Like I was
1: bad.
0: That's awesome. No, that it's awesome. Like I love it. It's so crazy. Yeah. I totally was like, I'm so loud and emotional. And then they would just get annoyed and walk away. And I'd be like, nailed it. <laughs> 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 but I thought that I proved yep. them wrong. And they were really like, I can't handle talking. And now I understand being on this side. I'm like, oh my God, I totally get it. It's like, cause you ask someone like why? And it's, we've all been a victim of this. That's the thing is this programming that we're talking about, every single one of us has been and still is on some level a victim to it. Yeah. I am right now you are right now. It's just mm-hmm. to different degrees. And, you know, when I would just say anyone who says anything, like, don't you want to know why you think that? And don't you want to yeah. question where you got that thought? And it was it a true conviction you felt in your heart? And, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if you've experienced this, because I'll be like, well, that's I know what the news says. And people, a lot of people tell me, I don't watch the news. And they think that that means that they came to this conclusion on their own. The, like everything that we've discussed in this podcast, all the influences that come at us from all these angles, people don't even realize that they might not be the news version, but it's the same propaganda.
1: That's, absolutely, you know, Absolutely. Well, and I really like the, I, I think it's called like the art of asking questions, right? Because it, it tells you whether or not, that person is worth continuing to have a conversation with. So like for example, the, the man that I was just referring to, I know that he doesn't actually know why he thinks that. So I'm not going to continue to have a conversation with him. If he had said, oh, well, Trump said this, he said this, he said this, and I disagree because this, this, and this, then I would be like, okay, let's have a conversation about that. And we can be reasonable and rational, but when you don't even know why you think something, it's not even worth it for me to try and have a conversation with you because you don't know anything about the situation you're trying to talk about.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And that's, what's I think been hard is there's some of us who this year, there was a big shift. And we could, we could divide that shift and label it in a million ways, like on spiritual levels, on different levels. But on one level, there was people who were curious and had desire to know. And there were people who, I don't know if you see it the same way, but I felt like I don't want to be curious It's too much and they kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. And so, those of us who are like, whoa, our world just shifted dramatically. I want to understand this. I trust myself enough to look into this and to make a decision on what's going on. And then you go to talk to people about it and they're just kind of like, I'm good with the narrative. Stop telling me why it's wrong. You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And
0: that's okay. Yeah. It's It's frustrating, but it's okay.
1: Yeah, I mean I I do get it, you know. First of all, it's hard to know what you don't know. Second of all, when you've got kids and jobs and all of these responsibilities, it is hard to find time, for sure. But at the end of the day, if if you have a desire to know the truth, you will find the time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing I'm not buying is the like it's hard to find time. <laughs> and that's only because like <laughs> Because Nico, the uh, my boyfriend the other day, was like, you know, people, well, it was a while ago, people don't really have the time to like look into these things. I was like, they have time to watch Netflix. They have time to be on their phone. Like, I know the people you're talking about. I've watched them addicted to their phone. Like, it's not that they don't, it's like you said, there's a genuine curiosity or there's not. And that's the point where I've come to when someone isn't curious and is very rejecting of. I just have found to the point where, I like, I'm really good with letting that go, because I'm not interested yeah. anymore in these shallow. Like, if we're literally hanging out with friends, I don't want to talk about all the heavy stuff. But yeah. if it's like can't even be acknowledged that you know we're yeah kind of crazy, it, I'm just kind of like I'm not really I don't want to like filter completely around <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Like you don't want to live in the darkness and in the heavy stuff, but you also don't want to just be chit chat about bullshit. Sorry, but that's what it ends up being.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that, but just to say like a new, a new world that I've really enjoyed, like coming back to our community, I feel like we're not all talking about heavy stuff all the time with the heaviness. Like, don't, I feel like there's so much joy around discussing these things because there's a level of acceptance once you look at the truth about where we are and that the, some of these nefarious nefarious things are happening and you kind of accept that and you're still fighting it, but don't you feel like, I don't feel like it's a bunch of heavy conversations. I think it's just no, like I mean, passing it, on information, but there's more yeah. laughter.
1: Yeah, well, and I think... It can be heavy, but a lot of us have realized that we need to laugh in order not to go crazy. And I also think the memes help. <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> no, it's just been so nice to have so, the joy and the lightheartedness. Like, and sometimes we we'll would throw out really heavy things and the way that it's done is just very refreshing. I feel like there's, like you said, with the memes, there's always this like, coping helping each other through it like almost normalizing it to the point where it's not traumatic every time a new thing comes out like I don't know if that makes sense. exactly
1: no it absolutely does you you feel in a way validated when something new comes out because it it reminds you that you are fighting for the truth right yeah and that's that's an important thing to do is to use your voice to fight for truth and for what you believe in
0: agreed.
1: So we've talked about a lot on this episode and I know it can be a lot to take in, especially for people who maybe are just starting their journey. Can you give some advice to those people who may be just starting to dive down the rabbit hole? What, what kind of advice would you give them?
0: I I see the rabbit hole as the journey inside yourself, uh, the journey of knowledge and the world and culture and information and truth. It's just like all encompassing. And I would say if you're here, then you're supposed to be here, that you're being called into a deeper truth, a deeper freedom, a deeper expression or, or version of who you are. And I don't know why, but sometimes we get called into this space and it's almost like my journey. I will say like, I couldn't explain why I didn't think about things before, but I felt like in 2020, I was activated. And then out of nowhere, as I went down this road, my whole life made sense in a way that it never had before. And all of these things that I'd always felt all of a sudden, I I began to... Know why I was this person and know why I always felt like maybe different or like a little bit of an outcast or whatever. Like I had to conform to society. So, all that to say, if you're here, it's because it's your time to enter this journey. And I don't know why that is, but it is. And I can promise you that, you know, there's a lot of tips, way more than I shared today about ways to dive in and find the truth. But at the very end of the day, it's it comes down to your intuition because, you know, as we're entering out of this propaganda, understanding how much they've tried to steer our thoughts and not promote people thinking for themselves, as you enter out of this fog, you start to utilize the muscle of intuition. And in the beginning, it's a little bit hard. You don't know what to trust in yourself and who to trust and we're always looking for like the next thing to look at. But the longer you go down this journey and you confirm things through data, through research, and you find the validation that your instinct was right, you start to learn how to listen to it. And that's all I can say is like at the end of the day, your intuition becomes your guide and it gets so much more easier to listen to, so much stronger the more you go down this road. And I would also just say finally, if it's painful to separate from people in your life or they're separating from you because you're embodying something that's in your heart to share or to be or to show. I would say it gets easier. It gets better and some people are in our lives for a time and they're beautiful for that season, but there's so much more up ahead and I can say with full confidence that I would not look back for a second. I've lost so many people, but I've gained so much more and more than that, I've gained complete freedom of being myself, being genuine. I now have this podcast. I now have met this beautiful woman, Alice, like (laughs) so much more has come from it. So that's a really long way of just trying to be as encouraging as possible. And also like, if you need people in your life, like I can connect you to a world of people and tell you how to find those connections and make those connections. And if you run into any challenges, like we're here to help each other. That's the beauty of this. So yeah, I would just say be brave and you get one life, you know, live it fully Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? I want to hear yours. That was really long.
1: (laughs) No, that was, that was really, truly beautiful. And I think it's important to be able to remember that it's not all dark. There are so many good things when you wake up that you you learn and people you connect with. And I think the advice I would give to people who are just starting or who are early on their journey or really anywhere on their journey is, number one, you need to have that that firm foundation of yourself. So like we've said, when you experience an emotion, when you something happens and you're reacting in a way that's not really uh, proportionate to the issue, take a look at yourself. Make sure that you are starting from somewhere where you have a firm foundation, you know yourself, you know your values. Like Ashley was saying, you trust your gut and your intuition. And then my other advice would be not to forget that you still live in your everyday reality. And that's that's okay, it's a beautiful thing to have this, this beautiful earth that we live on and don't forget to go out and experience it. I take a social media break every weekend so that I can recharge and remember what it's like to live in a world where you're not so focused on these issues all the time. They're important issues, but they they don't need to occupy your brain every second of every day because then they win. That's what they want. They want you completely wrapped up in their world all the time. So put your phone down. Get outside. Hang out with your friends. Hang out with your family. Admire nature. It's it's really important to not get completely sucked in to anything, but especially. To this movement you have to you have to prioritize your your mental and your physical well-being and still be able to live in the real world and love the people around you so that would be that would be my advice
0: I love that so much as you're talking I'm literally like I want to do that every weekend I'm like can I do that and the fact that I had to ask means it needs to (laughs) be (laughs) done it's become a total addiction
1: Well, it feels scary, especially when you have a podcast and like you have this avenue that you're expected to put out content all the time. But at the end of the day, like I go off for the weekend and I come back and everybody's still there. Nothing really significant has happened. You know, how
0: does it feel like because I recently went to Utah and we I was loving nature so much that we would get back to the hotel after like a really long, just like full day. And I would look at my phone and it would just look like white noise. Like it would look chaotic and like, and Mm -hmm. I was like, no, thank you. Like, is that how you feel pretty much on Mondays?
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like it's, it's hard at first, like on the Friday I delete it. And then I'm kind of like, I keep picking it up and like scrolling to the place where the app usually is and it's not there. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I'm not doing that right now. And then come Monday I'm like laying there and I don't really want to download the app again because Oh my god, I
0: love that. <laughs> it just
1: Yeah, like it feels like I've walked into like this older world and I've I've been reminded of real human connection and chasing joy and it's it's really beautiful and I really recommend it to everyone.
0: I love that. Like we talked about all the ways of propaganda manipulation and we left out the biggest one, which is this attachment to technology and our phones. And so I needed to hear that. So I'm really happy you share because I'm really looking forward to that. I think that this was so much fun and I think we yeah, definitely need to do it again.
1: <laughs> For sure. This was awesome. I'm so excited because this was just a blast talking to you.
0: No, I had so much fun and yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely do it again, but I hope everybody enjoys it. Please let everyone know all of the places that they can find you.
1: Yeah. So I am on Instagram at unpopular blonde, and then I'm on Apple, Spotify, pretty much any of the other smaller, um, places where you can find podcasts. Um, it's just unpopular blonde. And yeah, I, I hope you listen to the podcast, follow me, let's be friends, because, you know, everyone can always use more friends in the awakening journey. And there's a whole community here waiting for you waiting to welcome you. So what about you? Where can everybody find you?
0: I am into the river podcast on Instagram, my actual Instagram handle is at Ashley Joe one, one, one. So please come over and hang out with me. I, I spit a lot of truth bombs and <laughs> try to lose, try to lose friends daily. So yeah, my podcast is on it's into the river on all platforms and, you know, we just have open discussions about everything going on relevant. Sometimes we, go into different random things that have nothing to do with heavy topics. So (laughs) I I hope you guys come and listen.
1: Yeah. Well, um, thanks again. I'm so glad we did this and thank you everybody for joining us.
0: Yes. Thank you everybody. And thank you, Alice.